What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and today I'm being joined by Tony Farina. Now, he's told us about his comics, but today we're doing a different thing. We're going to be deepening into short stories, literary fiction. That's right, we are those book bods that everybody loves. We're going to be talking about some short stories so i find that i'm gonna think of a, i'm gonna think of a name for these episodes we've got we've got desert island comics i'll think of something for this as well but tony how you doing you're right mate i'm great i'm very excited i um love me some short fiction uh it's one of the few things that americans have done well and so i'm proud of us not proud of us for most things but short fiction we are top of the pops so i'm really excited to do this yeah well especially in sort of um well, in many ways, but from my point of view, like, you know, the horror, weird fiction, sci-fi sort of realm. Yeah, you guys, you know, the Americans provide some top-notch short story fiction. So, and what are we talking about today for the well, ladies and gentlemen? Well, when you said short stories, twenty, and of course you're the 20th century geek, yeah. um, I, I said, well, the greatest, and I think this is period, and I'm it's hyperbole, I'm mm. sure, but the greatest American short story of all time is The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. Uh, and so that's what we're gonna talk about. That's my opinion. Of course, people will come at me and they'll be like, wait, you've read, you know, The Pit and the Pendulum, right? I'm like, I have. And you've read, you know, the anything by Poe. Like, I have, I've read them all. I've read Young Goodman Brown by Hawthorne. I've read it all. But Shirley Jackson is the most economical writer. Yes. Like, was, yeah. if you wanna teach short fiction and you don't include Shirley Jackson, you're missing out because there is very few people who can pack such a punch. Even her novels are short. Oh, mm. We always lived in the castle. Short. She does not mess around, but she's also not cheap with her words either. So I just there's something about her skill set and how her, her brain works. I don't understand her genius. So when you said short story, I'm like my favorite short story ever, ever of all time is the lottery. So I'm here. I'm so excited. No, it's a great story. I, I had only ever read this once before, and that was when I was uh, I was at school. Uh, and I remember, it, I remember it shocking me then. Um, and it had been years. So I went back to read this. Uh, just There's, there's going to be a link in the uh, show notes below. So I'm going to tell you right now, because it's a very, very short story. It'll take you less than half an hour to read. Um, this was originally published in The New Yorker in, in 1948. And it's still available on the New Yorker website. There is a link below. If you want to read this, uh, and actually you don't have to read it because not only that, the New Yorker provides an audio track for that's the story. One. Yeah, that's So, yeah, it, it, I listened to it and I read it. So go check that out before we read because we're going to spoil the crap out of this. All right. So just let you yeah, know. Yeah, you have to. There's no, you can't do this and not spoil it. So, yeah. yeah. So, if you um, haven't read this, stop. Really, truly, it'll just take you a few minutes. It, yeah, it's seriously. Such a quick read. Oh, yeah. 20, so. 20 minutes. Go read the story or go listen to the part. The, the link is below in the in the show notes, right? Go listen. Right. Have you done it? They're, they're back. I feel like they're right, back. Yeah, now. yeah. Okay, I'm yeah, giving yeah. you one final warning. Right, we're going into it. Right. So All the right. lottery. 
you, I'm, I'm going to let you you explain it first, and then okay. we're going to get into it because um, I've got many thoughts about this story. So, it's so it's so brilliant. So to me, the the smartest thing she does is call it the lottery mm-hmm. because the lottery always has a positive connotation. Yes, always. So it's like we in our country, the lottery is um, you know it's it's just what you think it is. People pay money, you get tickets, you get numbers, and then you win money. And you guys have a lottery of a national lottery, and different mm-hmm. countries mm-hmm. have their own national lotteries, and different towns have their own lottery. So lottery is always good. At the you think. The idea being somebody's going to win something special yes. that no one else gets that year or that month. And here we do like weekly lotteries and, they, you know, nobody wins for a long time. And then we'll get to the point in this country where they'll be like, not that long ago, somebody won like a billion dollars because mm. it had been like almost six months since anybody won. So it's a big, you know, lottery has this positive connotation. So the idea behind this story is this little town. It's June 27th, which I think was mm-hmm. the day we were supposed to record. It was. Yeah. That would have been amazing. I didn't pick <laughs> that, but I wish I had intentionally. Maybe I unintentionally did that. So it's June 27th. It doesn't say a year, which is also genius. This little tiny town with 300 people, they're gathered to do a lottery. And it's one of those things where they just say, well, if you don't do it, everything goes sideways. And I hear there are some other towns that have done away with their lottery and blah, blah, blah. So. Uh, I don't want to totally spoil it right now, but um, so what happens is the fam- the towns gather. It's very patriarchal society mm. where it's like, oh, so-and-so man isn't here. you got to have a son do it. Well, he's only 16. And so this whole thing, so it's she sets you up to, to deceive you constantly. Um, so that's it. So this town does this yearly lottery, and it's like some weird, you know, good luck tradition. And if they don't do the lottery, things well, bad things will happen. Yeah, it's more, it's more than that. Because at one point, so there's two things that I just want to sort of interject with. Uh, firstly, you said about the families gathering. It's this sort of, it's this scene of, you, you could expect like a family picnic or a village picnic, or whatever it is. It's filled with these sort of like the kind of things you'd expect. Kids running between people's legs, families chattering inanely. That you know, some of the dialogue is is some of the dialogue doesn't go anywhere because it is literally just two families going, "Hey, you know, have you heard about so and so broke his leg? Oh, that's ridiculous!" And also, it's just it's village chatter. In the means, in the midst of that, though, are these little snippets of things that seem odd. But you're sort of like, oh, all right, well, maybe that's her business. The kids are playing and they are collecting, like and we'll get rocks. to it. They're collecting piles of rocks and they are giving them to the babies and all this other stuff. And at one point, there's even acknowledgement like, well, they can't do anything with them, but you know, you've got to get them involved. Yeah. Roll on. And you're like, hey, what? And then again, there's this, but the, the notion of this whole lottery, there's a poem, and I can't, or a, or a limerick, sort of like, you know, um, lottery in June. You know, good harvest soon, kind of thing. Like this all yeah. goes back to um, this idea of good harvest and sort of thing. So it's, it's all very sort of like folky and very sort of like you go, oh, all right, very cool. It's so it's setting you up to you. It starts with called the lottery. It's a positive connotation, and then the whole start of the book, the, the story, is just very quaint. Oh, absolutely. It is. It's and it's like, oh, we, we they're waiting and you know that they're waiting around and, and there's this like weird. And again, Shirley Jackson's economy of words. 
Mm. Well, th this box is even the oldest man in town, and this is his 75th lottery. Yeah. This box is older than him. And so you're like, oh, this has been around. And the, the rumor was they built this box of the remnants of the old box. And every year they say, we ought to build a new box. And, and somebody's like, I can't believe it's another lottery. It seems like it was just last week. And so there's like this whole sense of tradition and yeah. everybody's there. And you don't get, and like you said, it's why are we standing around? And then Mrs. Hutchinson shows up. She's like, sorry. They're like, you didn't think we were thought we were going to have to go without you. She's like, well, you didn't want me to leave my dishes to to be wet. And they're like, Haha. everybody like chuckle, laugh. Of course not. Yeah. Mrs. It's like little, little house on the prairie. You know what 100%. I mean? yeah. yeah. It just seems like it's like, oh, oh, Mrs. Hutchinson's here. We're good. Now we can go. We were all going to wait for her, but we need to hurry up and get it done for lunch. And, um, and so it's just this, it, it is, it's totally, you have no idea what's happening. And before we, and I want to say this here, I want to interject this here. So for years and years ago, before I was married to my first wife and had my kids and long before I met my wife now and moved to Florida and everything, I lived in this little shit town called Manchester, Michigan. No offense, Manchester. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Chris. But um, so the... It was just a, every year, and I'm a vegetarian, every year, every summer, they did a thing called the Manchester Chicken Royal. And right in the mm. center of town, there was like a gazebo, and they would have like a brass band and everything. So even if I weren't a vegetarian, I lived there for like two and a half years. It was just like renting there. because so I was working between Ann Arbor and Jackson, and Manchester was right in the middle. So it's like a perfect place for me to live geographically. But the first time I drove by the chicken broil, they were like, chicken broil, I'm like, oh, gross. I don't want the whole town to smell like chicken. But I drove by and watched them set up. And I was like, to, my, to myself, I said, oh, fuck, it's the lottery. And yeah. so at, every year for the three, because I was there for like two and a half years, but it was like, you know, three summers, the way that it, the math worked out. I never was in town on the chicken broil weekend. I got the fuck out. And it is this weekend right now. So in addition to it being <laughs> near the 27th, it's always it was near the 4th of July. So it was on the right weekend. In this little weird town, they literally had a brass band. You couldn't get more idyllic than that. So I don't know if Manchester does the lottery. I just assume they do. Uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? This, this, the beginning of this book, and I said before we spoil it and, and really yeah. get into the, the, the bits. The thing is, reading the start of this book, you've got an experience. I've got an experience. Like, yeah. I've lived in places where, you know, in, in, and in Britain as well. And I'm sure don't the same you live in, the in a park? Is it? I mean, aren't you like in the center of the place where the lottery could be? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I yeah, live. Okay. In, I live <laughs> yeah, I, I live amongst a bunch of fields. Like you know, I live in a very small village. Um, but yeah, like you know, over here we have things like cheese rolling, where they get a big drum of cheese and roll it down a hill every summer. We have these, you know. Then they'll have other things where other villages will do this thing of like you know, w traditions just build up, don't they? And so reading the start of this book, and it's it's even it's the same as what's it, Punks of Tony Phil, you know, the, the sort yeah, of like yeah. oh, seeing the groundhog. Perfect. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's a tradition. It's yeah. You know, so reading the start of this book, or sorry, the start of the story, everyone can relate to it because you're like, Oh yeah, it's a small town or a small village. They have a tradition. You know, it doesn't seem sinister, it doesn't seem you know, um ominous in any way. But there's still with Shirley Jackson's writing. There still is that menace because you sort of feel that there's something else, especially with those little comments around the fact that it's got to be drawn. Um, you know, they're, they're waiting for Dunbar. You know, where is he? Oh, he's broke his legs, or someone's got to draw for him. So you can't get away from it. Like, it's not like you can't yeah, say, his wife has no, to draw. And they're like, oh, yeah. well, shouldn't your son? But he's only 16. So, they're like, well, that's okay. So you're thinking, oh, well, the kids, because it goes back to what you're saying is like, oh, well, the kids, they have rocks. They just want to be involved. So you're thinking the kids aren't involved. 
Mm. She totally sets you up for that with two throwaway lines. And this is how she's the queen of economical writing, only to pull that rug right from out from under you yep. later. Oh. And, also, and also there's a great moment, it comes later on when they talk about, you know, you said about being a patriarchal society. When the daughter's married into another family, oh, no, no, she draws with the other family. And so there's these set rules yeah. every year. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's really well done. But also that sense of tradition. You get the old, old man, as you said, the sort of, maybe you know, it's his 75th. Mr. Watson, is that his name? Yeah, like that's that. Mr. Yeah, Watson. Yeah. Thought, yeah. yeah. And... Um, you know, and it's been overseen by Mr. Summers, who's sort of like, you know, the sort of like the whoever he is in the village. You, have, you know, the box lives in the post office for the rest of the year and no one really thinks about it, it gets kicked about and stuff. But this old guy is sort of like, you know, um, well, the, you hear the North Village, well, because you don't name the village, the North Village have stopped doing it. They don't do the lot anymore. And he's, he's indignant about it. So, oh, these youngers, they'll keep, you know, soon enough that we'll be back living in caves. If yeah. It, you know, if we don't do the lottery, we're going to be cave dwellers again. Yeah, it feels like, you know, by dropping the he feels that by stopping the lottery is regressive. It's you know, so it's a tradition, but it's it's still got this little ominous tone of like, what the hell is it? This thing that they're doing. Yeah, it's amazing. It oh. is so amazing. And so the thing that I love, and again, so you think lottery, and so here's where she's so brilliant. So then you find out it's the Hutchinson family that wins. Yes. And so you think there should be like, hooray for Hutchinson's. But there's this sense of relief. And so you're like, wait, don't you want? And that's the first time you realize that winning isn't what you want to do. Because it's not yeah. like everybody's like, oh, Hutchinson's. They're like, woo, Hutchinson's. And you're like, well, so it's one of two things. You're like, well, is it you're, you really love them? You're really happy for them. But you're not happy for them. You're happy that it is them. Yes. And that's the moment when you realize, oh, because Mrs. Hutchinson this whole time is like all in on it. And then when they win, she's like, well, I don't think it was fair. I don't think we did it right. I don't think she starts getting all panicky. And you I know. love her response, her response of when she says, well, you didn't give him time to choose properly. You saw that he did, and people are telling him to shut up. Yeah. And even the husband's like, look, shut up. It was fair. We chose this is the you knew this was a chance, and especially since they go in alphabetical order, mm -hmm. so their H, which so whoever's last is always screwed, never gets a fair chance, mm. and like like that's real clear that it's in alphabetical order. And you're H, so you're early on, and he had yeah. right, so he's like, what are you talking about? We're not last. Like yeah. how do we we have the we have a better chance than other people? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I've just found it. So he, like, yeah. Um it's funny because so she says um what is it so she starts shouting off about you didn't give him time enough to take any paper he wanted i saw you it wasn't fair and then people come in and go um be a good sport tessie said mrs delacroix uh and mrs grave said all of us took the same chance and then her husband bill hutchinson turns around and says shut up tessie and that's it yeah and Brutal. you know and it is it's just he knows you know and so at this point you are you like what the hell is it that's going to happen? Um, and so, yeah, it, it goes on because she moans for quite a bit. She does. She is. And that's the thing. In this moment, Jackson convinces you to dislike her. Which yes. is crazy. Because up to this point, everybody's like, oh, we can't start without Tessie and Mrs. Hutchinson this. And oh, Tessie. And we get this whole thing and, and everything seems fine. And then in these, what's like a page and a half she gets you to totally dislike Tessie. Like, as a reader, she tricks you into disliking her. And you're like, 
all these people are being mean to her, but you're on their side somehow. Like, I don't get what she does, but you're, you're, you're like, get Tessie. This is just what we do. Get over it. Why are you being this way? It's yeah, so good. Yeah. It's, it's an awful situation. It's a weird situation because she becomes a Karen. She does. <laughs> But, but, but when you learn, but when you learn what it is, she's getting. I mean, you know, the yeah. thing is, I feel both sorry for her and I don't because if it was somebody, well, when we get to the twist, for those that haven't read the story, uh, when you get to that point, she would have happily done this to anybody oh, else. Absolutely, she was prepared to do it to anybody else. And the setup is that the old man has done it seventy-five times, and, and he's never, never he's yeah. never won. Yeah. So um, the odds are, she thinks, you know, in her face, yeah. and they are. Technically. Yeah, technically yeah, with yeah. three hundred people in the village, because yeah. the thing is, well, the way the the way it works is, it's not individuals. You pick per family, and then a family wins, and then that family picks again to so identify the ultimate winner. Yeah, yeah, to identify. And one that's terrifying about that is, even the children pick. Right. This is the she pulls it out from under you. There's they have a baby, and they're like, somebody yes. pick for the baby. You're like, what? Yes. Somebody big for the baby. How could a baby? Because you still don't know what it is yet. So, like, how could a baby win the lot? What's a baby going to do with five hundred bucks or whatever? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then and she's she's getting panicky, and then eventually it is Tessie that wins. That you know, it, she 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 pull, holds her paper in her hand, and her husband Bill actually has to take it off her and present it to Mister Summers, and it's her. And I'm just going to read this last bit. Um. So where is it? Um. Mrs. Dunbar had small stones. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it's good for that. So, um, Mrs. Dunbar had small stones in both hands, and she said, gasping for breath, "I can't run at all. You'll have to go ahead. I'll catch up with you." The children had stones already, and someone gave little Davy Hutchinson a few pebbles. So they're giving it to their own son. Tessie Hutchinson was in the centre of a cleared space by now, and she held her heads out desperately as the villagers moved in on her. It isn't fair, she said. A stone hit her on the side of the head. Old man Warner was saying, come on, come on, everyone. Steve Adams was in front of the crowd of villagers with Mrs. Graves behind him. It isn't fair. It isn't right. Mrs. Hutchinson screamed. And then they were upon her. They were upon her. Holy crap. I know. That's how it ends. You're like, what the fuck? They stoned her to death. Her own child throws a rock. So now you have to go, wait a minute. They had yeah. a baby draw. If the yeah. baby won, they were going to stone a baby to death. Yeah, the mother was going to have to do because you you have to cut. You have it feels like so. This is one of those stories where you read to the end and you go, "Hang on, scroll right back to the top." <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've got I've got to read this again. Yeah, to find really the clues. To find, yeah. yeah, to see what, and that's where you see the things about the stones and the way that the people are calling on people's sons and all this other stuff. <laughs> But that last moment, like when they say, the, and then they were upon her, is absolutely horrific. Because it, it leaves you in that way. You're terrifying. like, yeah. Because it, it, it's, to me, I mean, this is, I mean, this was 1948, so it was written before, but this is like the Wicker Man. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This okay. is, I mean, this is folk horror. Let's be honest. This is folk That's horror. Right. Exactly what it is. Yep. Um, uh, but it's, it's this thing of sort of like an isolated little village. The communities that we live in, and especially the thing is, reading this in lockdown <laughs> or reading this during, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you look out your window and you're like, no, yeah. pull the blinds in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. Yeah, and the thing about it is, 
is there, uh, we know when you read it the second time and the 50th time, like I've read it so many times, and every time I'm, I'm just I'm terrified. I get heart palpitations, even though I know it's going to come. Because they tell you, yeah. as soon as this is over, they're going to go have lunch. Yeah. They need to be done by noon so everybody can be home for, they call it, what, noontime dinner, they call it, instead yes. of lunch. But it's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, well, we just th- stoned our mom to death. Who's yeah. going to make lunch? And that's the question. Who's in charge now of the Hutchinson family? Yeah, well, this is one of the things I find most interesting is when when they say that when it was um, a bigger population or a bigger thing, it, they, they do this over two days. Can you be imagine being in the first one? <laughs> like, what? We've we got to wait till tomorrow to do this. Um, but yeah, you know, and I can imagine that this is obviously part, it would have been part of a festival at some point. So there'd yeah. have been, but the, again, you see about her writing being economical, like this village has made this economical because they make it clear. Like you say, not only are they going to go back to lunch, they're going back to work in the afternoon. Yeah. The day but, just goes on. This is not, laying there. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't a bank holiday. It's not a festival. It's like, all right, well, the, the lottery has to be on the 27th. We'll do it in the morning and then we'll carry on in the afternoon. Yeah. Right. So it's a weekday. This is like, June, tw- it's like, a, like again, we were going to record on a Thursday last week. Mm. It's like Thursday. It's just Thursday. Yeah. We get the morning off. But even yeah. her, even Tessie was like, well, I had to do the dishes before I could come. Like, yeah. you know, we had shit to do, man. This is, stuff's going on. Yeah, we got to. Yeah, she was late because she was doing she was to, yeah. to doing her household chores. And and that's what sort of, like you know, that's what sort of sets you off kilter. And then you're like, oh, no, th- this village is horrific. Like, this, you know, I mean, I, I bet, you know, real estate in this village cannot be. Uh, but it's not expensive because no, because wants to move there. Yeah, well, th- this was the interesting thing because again, like, like you said, there's no date given to this, is in no year, so there's no time period given to this. However, it clearly and actually, I want your opinion on this. So they acknowledge the North Village has stopped doing it because they've listened to the younger people. Like younger people have come up and gone, like, are you, are you crazy? <laughs> like this is not good. Um. But do, do these other villages in the area know that this village is still doing this? Are they I like, so. are they still like, well, that, those in the South Village are still doing this? And they seem to be like, and they're not reporting it to any authorities or anything like that. It's not a part of that. It's so local. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think so. I think it is. I think they know. And I think it's. Um... Right, that's why there's because it used to be it was when the village was so big it took two days just to draw the names or maybe it took all more all day to draw the one name the, the mm. family names and then you have to come back and the family would line up on the next day or whatever and so you you don't know but yeah so so no I definitely think they're aware and there's a reason there's 300 people and they they still make the argument well we're a, such a big village well 300 yeah. people really is a big village but but it used to be clearly bigger and again she doesn't. She doesn't dumb it down for you. She doesn't say, remember earlier when I said it took two days, the village isn't very big anymore. She just tells you it's there. You have to see it. And so, no, 100%, the other villages know what's going on. Um, Mm. In my world, this is still happening. That's what, Mm. you know, like this in 20, this, whatever year this is. So if we're pretending it really is 1948 in 2021, wherever this is, it's still, it's still happening because traditions still happen. And we don't know why, like you mentioned it. Like the, the weird chicken broil thing or the weird whatever roll the wheel of cheese. cheese Why do we do it? Yeah. Those that's not harming anybody. I mean, sure, you're eating cheese that you rolled on the ground, or you're eating big chicken, you know, fried chicken, and you're clogging your arteries. That's the worst <laughs> you're doing. But 
we don't really know why we do anything. And when we think about any holiday, any tradition, mostly we just we do it because it's a day off. Yeah. We don't really think about what it means, right? Mm -hmm. Like like in my country, Veterans Day is a day, you know, it was originally Armistice Day, it's November 11th, you know, so it used to be mm -hmm. have a different connotation. We've made it for all veterans. But people don't even know that. People don't get like, we're just like, oh, we just picked a random day for veterans. And it's like, well, it wasn't that long ago yeah. that November 11th was a, it had a different meaning. Mm. But then we're like, well, we couldn't stop wars. Like World War II was not the war to end all wars. So we cannot yeah. call it that yeah. anymore. We have to just be all veterans. And so like my kids, if I didn't tell them that, they wouldn't know. Because mm. most people are just like, oh, it's Veterans Day. It's the day we honor veterans. There's no mail. And there's probably a sale on mattresses somewhere. Yes. And that's <laughs> what we do. And so that's why I firmly believe the lottery is still happening. Is because nobody, no one questions why they're doing it. And, it, it. and that's the argument she's saying is like, she wrote this right after World War II. Mm -hmm. She's asking us to consider the bullshit argument of I was just following orders. That's yes. what she's... That's 100%. Thank you. That's is. exactly where I was going to go. Yes, this is yeah. totally that. It's sort of buying into it. Because the thing is about this as well, it was sort of, I thought about it from a sort of, from that point of view. And it's that thing of seeing your neighbors being trounced away. You know, well, yes, the, you know, the Goldsteins, well, they've been wonderful neighbors for the last 15 years, but they are know, Jewish. But they are Jewish, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And you go, yeah, you want to go, hang on, what a minute. But then, you know, you you know, but then that may have been, I don't know, someone of Slavic blood who's gone, yeah, well, they, they were Jewish. And then two weeks later, the SS turn up for them and they're going, hang on, no, 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 no. What, what, why yeah. us? Yeah. Well, you, you, you're of Slav descent, so you're not, you're impure as well. It's, yeah, it's, you don't, it's about obviously compliance and that sort of thing. Because it's weird, because the one thing you say that about traditions, <laughs> something sparked in my head when I read this, because I was thinking about this idea of holidays. And it was Black Friday, because uh, because Black Friday is is, is is pretty much like an American deal because it's akin well, to, it's, it's, it's Thanksgiving, it's linked, yeah. Thanksgiving. But we have thanks we we have Black Friday in Britain. Why? No idea. <laughs> I did not know that. I honestly had yeah. no idea. That is new information for me. That makes no sense. Exactly. It's so we have Black So, but the reason we have Black Friday in this country is because of Amazon. Oh, sure. Because they've gone well, we 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 find, we've seen a massive upspike in sales in America and Black Friday. So let's go and take it everywhere else. So everyone else has joined in. So in the at the end of November, you sort of go, yeah, there's this weird massive sale just before the sort of run up to Christmas, and then you go do Christmas shopping. Um, and that's the thing. Like, how do these traditions come about? Like, they're clearly linked to other things. And as you say, this one's been whittled down to become incredibly efficient. Yeah, two hours. They don't. There's. There's no, the, the, again, the, the, her, her, her writing, she's just the queen, right? She, mm. Old Man Warner's 75, and the box existed before him, and he's the oldest person in town. So we, if he's got the longest institutional memory, he doesn't know why they do the lottery. Yeah. But he's the one who's saying, those crazy kids up north, man. Well, but what do you know? You're 75, and you don't remember. This new box, new, is so old, they're thinking about making a new one. So... However many hundreds and hundreds of years, you're not even questioning it. And so it's like, it's the simple question that every every child's first question is why. Yeah. And as parents, we do a shit job of answering answering that honestly. 
because it's always ugly, right? It's an ugly why the truth is it's like eh, cuz because Santa's real. Just shut up and don't yeah. be an asshole. And so whatever, whatever we come up with, because we don't want to deal with reality, but we do that with everything. What's the shortest, easiest answer? It's because we've always done it. That's yes. the answer. It's always that way. So we've always done this. Ch- change is hard. I mean, change is always difficult in those situations. I mean, you, you just said that, but the question of why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this, Daddy? And I remember being a kid and asking those questions. And what you get is a smack around the back of the head. Shut up. Yeah, Shh, don't, shut ruin up. It for, yeah. don't ruin it for everybody else. Right. <laughs> what? Don't be smart. But you got in trouble for being smart, right? Don't, don't be, be smart. smart-ass. You're like, wait, <laughs> shouldn't I be smart? Isn't that I, a good yeah, thing? Yeah, you were telling me to be smart in school. Make up your mind. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but you... you but that's the thing, like I say, you know, these traditions. But the other thing as well is is the mixing of traditions. Now, again, there's nothing in this book, no, sorry, nothing in this story to um, give any indication other than it's clearly, like you said, it, it, this takes place in middle America, like, without a doubt. And so it is quite, you know, it's set in, it's it's written in 1948, uh, in, you know, obviously in America. It would be reasonable to assume that everybody else in in this village also goes to church on a Sunday. Yeah, 100%. And so, you know, there's this thing of like, why do you do this? Oh, well, there's, there's, there's this rhyme, you know, um, lottery in June, you know, good crops in soon. And you're like, yeah. okay. So this is for a pagan god. <laughs> you yeah. know, you can, you can see, you know, the connotations are there. And you're like, but you all go to church on a Sunday. You know, the, the, it's clear that this is a mix of, again, like, you know, so logic is out of the window on this one. It's just, an, in inverted commas, tradition. It's something yeah. we do. Um, yeah. And it's funny, that is the only, and, it, it, you know, she sets it on the 27th instead of the 20th. Because mm. if it were on June 20th, it'd be even more, because that's a solstice. Yes, yes. Cool. So that's yeah, yeah. even more of a pagan holiday. And it almost feels like she's no, she's not. She knows what she's doing. So I think she deliberately moved it just for that. They're like, we can't do it on the 20th. That's which day. Two, we'll do it a week later. It's two, yeah, yeah. let's we'll do it a week later. And it couldn't put it on July 4th because that's too on the, you know, so it's like right in between those two things. These two totally arbitrary things mm. in America. I mean, July 4th, the, the, I mean, we all know that we, we pick holidays based on whatever and you know, the signing of the Declaration of Independence was actually July 3rd. But yeah. it, we didn't know until July 4th. So that's the day. And so like, this, the summer solstice is the 20th, but, but again, she doesn't. So it's like right in between these things. At least the summer solstice is a thing. It's science. And so mm. you don't want to do a weird pagany cult thing on a scientific day, right? Yeah. So it's all, so she's so intentional with everything that she does and the way that she just sucks you in. It's just like, yeah, like you said, well, it's just a thing we do. And, and you know, you imagine when there's a lottery on, on a Sunday, when they get up, they go to church, so they're together all day. They get up, they have breakfast, they go to church, and then after church, they come. And so on that day, the lottery is probably later in the day, or they have to skip lunch or something, or maybe after mm. church, they all go home and have lunch, and that's this one time you know, every seven years. it's They get to do it later in the day because we had to – but you know they're doing it. You can completely mm. see it. Yeah, and it's like, again, but why are you going to church? Well, that's just what we do. But if you ask – sorry, Christians – if you ask most Christians, they've not read the book that they yeah. that they worship. Yeah. And that's really frustrating. And because mm-hmm. they don't ask why. So one of our kids, our oldest daughter, went to a Christian school and was dating a Christian guy. And, you know, I went to a Christian school, too, but I didn't, you know, I was raised Catholic and I left that team a long time ago. 
But so she was interested. So in high school, she started reading the Bible and like reading it. So we, my wife gave her a copy and she was reading it, reading, reading, reading. She is mm. not on that team, really, because she's read the whole book and she's like, yeah. you know, women don't get treated super great in here. Yeah. You know, like yeah. intellectualism is kind of frowned on in here. So like she mm. isn't. I wouldn't say she's a you know an atheist or anything, but she's read the whole book and she would have arguments with people like who are super Christiany and they're like, well, what about this? And she's like, yeah, but it says that like, here are the words. She's very literal, so she's like, here's what it says, and they're like, does it? She's like, yes. Read the book that <laughs> yeah. you claim yeah. to be. So it's always fascinating to me that the most pious, the loudest of most obnoxious people like the former president of my country had clearly never mm -hmm. read the constitution. He'd never read the Bible. He doesn't know anything, but he's saying, Oh, I know what, you know, so it's always the loudest, noisiest person who's making, who's not, doesn't really know why. And it's, and yeah. that's again, so you don't want to ask why don't be a smart ass. Don't. So it's, so there's this really, this push on just because. Mm. And that, just totally. because -ism. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The because -ism of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's it, because th th I mean, you know, you've said that this this book, uh, not this book, this story. You, you know, keep it, calling it a book, and you know why? It's because mm. it feels she in these short pages she's given you this we're so having much. This conversation, so much that that the whole world is there. So you feel like you can imagine what next year's lottery is and what the lottery oh, yeah. twenty years ago were. So that's why it's easy to keep thinking it's a book, even though it's a short story, because she's filled in an entire world. Oh yeah, it's a it's a true window into this world. It's yeah. and that's why she's so good. But within the story, um, it's like you say, it's, it's this thing of like, it covers so much stuff because it is. It's about that sort of com um, being accomplished by just by complete, you know, complacency or you know by letting things happen, sort of thing. But also, like you're right, it, it's about asking why. You know, this is that thing of saying, "Stop a minute!" And I don't know, I don't know Shirley Jackson's, um, you know, religious sort of yeah, uh, position either. or. Yeah. Or anything like that, don't know. But this book is clearly about this is this story is clearly going, no, no, stop. Ask why and look at what it is you're doing, you know, in the grander scheme of things. Does it is it really what you think you should be doing? Um and it's just it's just so impactful. And it's a weird tale, because this is this this to me feels like a weird tale. It's a folk horror tale. This is the same as you know, th this is more this is more subtle and probably more impactful than the Wicker Man. Sure. And you know, and I love that film. Absolutely yeah, the love. first one we're we're only yeah, yeah, acknowledging yeah. the first one. Yeah, not Dr. the Nick Cage Remake. one. What yeah, no. was there a Nick Cage one? What? Yeah. We're gonna pretend. <laughs> I mean, I saw it. You saw it. Everybody saw it. And you're like, what? Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. screw that one up. Maybe you shouldn't have remade it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, it's just the fact that this it's so. And I'm going to read more. I want to read more of her short stories, you know, because I've read um, The Haunting of Hill House. Um, uh, and, you know, and again, she does it in that as well. There's that economical writing where you sort of you get to love the characters and then she pulls the rug out from you again and again. And she's so good at it. And it's so like, yeah. So what I would say is I read this in a in a compilation of stories, an anthology of stories when I was at school. Didn't I didn't even know it was Shirley Jackson until really until very recently, though. I've heard about the story and stuff. And she is such an underrated uh, artist or you know writer of, of the twentieth century. Um, I think she gets she probably I don't know is she more recognised now? I know her more of her, but like 
that's a tough i think i think because there's a haunting of hill house show or movie that mm-hmm. came out recently which i didn't see was that good it was good yeah the first one's good it's not akin it's nothing to do with the book it has a very oh. it's a very very thin um okay. narrative but um you know the haunting obviously the, the 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 original movie was great but yeah um yeah i don't i don't know i don't either and then not that long ago um Crispin Glover's in it, and I can't remember who the lead is, but Crispin Glover's fucking always great. Mm. Anything he's in, you're like, crank that up to 12, and he <laughs> he leans hard. And there's a there's a recent film, We Always Lived in the Castle. Mm. That's really great. And actually, there's a really great, have you ever read, um, we talked about Jeff Lemire a little off, off air, have you read Black Hammer? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, it's great, but there's a lot of We've Always Lived in the Castle going on in Black Hammer, this like kind of weird what, so um, I think because a couple of her movies have been made, um, you know, she's in the public domain now, things are getting public domain-y, so that is gonna, unfortunately, you know, for her her family's cash. Um, But that helps because when you can give stuff away for free, Uh, I think, and this is one of the other great 20, or, you know, well, she's a little, she's turn of the 20th century, uh, Kate Chopin. who was very popular in her day. And this was published in the New Yorker. So mm. she was very popular in her day. But there's something about them being women that was that is that that unfortunately holds them back. This mm. the other thing that we talked about today, uh, that Twilight Zone episode where the uh, was based on a short story by a woman. And so there's there are there's a lot of female writers who just because of misogyny don't get the love. I think that's what it is. I'm hopeful. Mm. That with with her um, with her becoming public domain and the movies are being made and um, that always helps is people yeah. will make you know when something's free they're like I'm going to make forty versions of this because I'm not going to pay for it anymore <laughs> so but that's a good thing for somebody like her who deserves her time in the sun yeah yes. um, you know when you think about to me the greatest writer in English is Jane Austen you know like. Um, it wasn't until she was long dead and her work was in the public domain and people could start making movies. Truly. Mm-hmm. Like she's always sold well, but once you could start like, Oh, this would be a good adaptation. And you know, like in the, in the, the 1900s, the mid, you know, the mid 20th century is when Jane Austen, unfortunately was Pete reached the height of her popularity. Mm-hmm. You know, she published anonymously, the Bronte sisters published under different names. Um, George Eliot just kept, her man's name, even once yeah. everybody figured out who she was. You know, so there's all these female writers who were either had to publish anonymously or just were, you know, and Mark Twain, who's a great writer in, in his own right, he hated a lot of female writers and he was kind mm. of a misogynist prick himself. And he, so I think that doesn't help. Like when the dude's like, oh, the girls are doing it better. Yeah. Well, I have the <laughs> yeah. power to hold them, hold them back. You know, yeah. Kate Chopin was actually out of print for years and somebody found something of hers in the like, maybe in the 50s or 60s and we're like what the fuck is this this is yeah. amazing and so then started republishing her stuff so the hope it's is that it sorry is didn't true. To get on that feminist no, diatribe but right. it's so frustrating because right. she's so good it's true because and, and you know i mean shirley jackson you know i was able to find it online and say you know mm-hmm. follow the link and the books can be found on amazon quite you know relatively easy but there's others i mean you know i i got turned on to um octavia butler yeah sure and I was like, and someone was like, oh, you mean, you know, you mean to, you need to read a couple of those. And I was like, oh, cool. Can I find a copy anywhere? I've got, I've gotten through Kindle now, yeah. but yeah. Getting, most yeah. libraries have the. Uh, there's a few digital libraries that are finally starting to publish mm. them but for a long time now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's baffling because again, like really good. 
Excellent. Yeah. I mean, you know, she she was a bestseller and she was a working author. But again, why isn't she? I mean, she, she's up there with Clark and Asimov, right? Mm. As, as the great science fiction fantasy thinkers of all time. And she was a philosopher, too. You know, I mean, like you read Ursula K. Le Guin and you're in for it, man. You're yes. not going to walk away with that the same person when you started. But same thing. It's like because she's a woman. Yeah, That's, it's painful to say, but it's true. Yeah. And so, you know, we are going to be. You know, I don't want to say I don't want to sound like a patronizing, you know, white male prick, but like, you know, oh, I want to be an ally. I want to be like, yeah, no, go find these women because some of these writers are incredible. And Shirley Jackson, like, I'm a massive fan of Shirley Jackson, and um, so I'm, you know, I'm I'm so glad to be doing this uh, and and you know, discussing this story. So, as an opener for uh, you know, going off and finding this short story fiction for uh, you know. For 20th Century Geek, this is a good one. This has been a good opener. Uh, so I appreciate that. So no, I, I, thank you. I love her. I love again short fiction. Is so good. Uh, you know, like Americans again. It's what we did. We've got you know we had Poe. We've got Jack London. We, that's one of those few things that I'm like proud, proud to be American when it comes to our short fiction writers. It's something. It's probably because we have short attention spans and we're like Shakespeare's hard. Can you just tell me a story? <laughs> no, no. I, I'll tell you what. All right. I'll, you can you can you can joke that, but what I will say is, um, writing a short story isn't easy. No, no. Writing a really good, well structured, it's not like going. I want to write a story, and so I'm just not going to write these bits, and then you write a shorter one. You know, you've got to build tension in the same in a different way. You've got to pace it differently. The, you know, there's a, there's a sort of like the three act structure slightly different and all this other stuff. Like, no, no, the, the American approach to the short story is, um, yeah, you, I could rattle off tens of writers, um, that you know, I love that write. And going back, like, not just modern 20th century, you know, you, you, you oh, mentioned yeah. Poe, you know, but then obviously, I'm a massive, I'm a massive, uh, Lovecraft fan, right. But then you get like you know um, Clark Ashton Smith and and, and um, you really know Nathaniel Hawthorne. Everybody like I mean I love yeah. Stuart Letter. Don't get me wrong, that book is is practically perfect, and I, I know people shit on it because but it's I love that book. His short stories, Young Goodman Brown. If you want to be terrified, Nathaniel Hawthorne's Young Goodman Brown. You're like talk about a, a ghost story, uh, like a you know a folk horror story. Mm. That thing, another twist that you just never and that was. You know, 1600s. He was just like, so yeah, we've got a good tradition. You have, I, I yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely say that, that. You know, of all the things, you know, yes, I will happily take the mic out of you because you, 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 uh, you elected Trump as president. We well, can't talk though. You know, let's not get. We won't go into politics. That, but no. Anyway, yes. So this thank you has for been offering a doozy. this to me. Yeah, and it's like when you said it, there was one. There was the only choice. I was like, well, I know what you're thinking of. You're not like. You're not looking for a love story or whatever. You're like, what is what is creepy, macabre, a little bit. I mean, because that's the thing. This feels, the thing that makes this awesome is it feels like, well, this is fantasy. This is science fiction. Mm. What is it? And the best science fiction and fantasy and horror, and this is clearly horror, makes you feel like it's real. Like, the reason yes. the Saw movies were good is because they felt way more real than the Friday the 13th. Where you're like, mm. Jason can't be real. But Saw, well, damn, that first one in particular, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. So I think... I think that's what this is, is, is Shirley Jackson gives you something that you're like, well, maybe it's fantastical or maybe people just are evil. And so so to me, it was a no brainer. This is by far, hands down, my favorite short story of all time. 
Um, I just think she is genius. And so please, everybody, I'm with Scott. Go find some Shirley Jackson. Seriously, go check it out. Because you're right. Just a good point. Yeah, there's not a single fantastical element in this story. At all. It's it's so real. It's so grounded. Yeah. It's it's terrifying. Um, right. But Tony, thank you so much, as I said, for doing this. Thank you for coming on and uh, for doing this. Uh, but where can people find you and where can they hear you? Sure. Well, I'm on the Comics in Motion Network, uh, the sister cousin podcast to 20th Century mm. Geek and Victoria Stories Out of Time and Space. We're all friends. We're all friends yeah. there. Um, and so I'm over there. I've got Indie Comic Spotlight and I'm doing Seasons Greetings with Jack, where we, we're doing Buffy right now. Up next is Angel. We're going to do we're going to cleanse our palette and do Spaced. We're going to just do the mm. whole series of space. So it'll be like series greetings with space. Yeah. And then we're going to, we'll see where we go from there. So that's going to be really exciting. We do like a, a, a modern day analysis of these classic shows. So that's fun. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Tricycle Boombox. And, um, or you can go to my website, AR Farina. And I don't know if you know this listeners, but our host, our glorious host has edited a book and he let yeah. me be in it. So please go to Sequart and buy the Judging Dread book with cover by Sam Lotfi, which is amazing. It is, yeah, and that's so. That is like bleeding edge news. That's now done. Like oh, everyone, so everyone's been, everyone's signed up. It's been finished. It has gone to the print. We've literally just been talking to Julie in front of the podcast. It's going off to the printers. Like that book is going to be real. I'm um, so excited. I'm so honored so, yeah. to be part of it. So hopefully, when this goes out, there will be a short advert, maybe. So you may actually get to see, you may actually get to hear Tony's voice twice on this on this thing. Nice. So. It is, it's, it's judging dread, examining the world of judge dread. Uh, some amazing contributors, myself, Tony, Julian, and a whole bunch all over the world. One of the things I would say, just as a bit of things, is um, the the diversity of people that we've had, you know, uh, contributing to that book. Uh, there's you know people from the states. I've got some people from Britain. I've got some people from Europe. I've got a guy from Poland. I've got a guy from uh, Pakistan. Like, you know, it's awesome. Like the, the, the so it's a really good book. I'm really proud of it, and everyone that did something for it. So, yeah, go get it, go get it. And we're also hopefully, fingers crossed, we may get some, we can get in some attention from 2008 day. So, what? yeah, nice. we shall see. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I always appreciate all my listeners. If you like what we're doing, go to your podcast catcher, leave us a review, five stars, one stars. I don't really care, preferably five stars, but just give us some feedback. Give us a review. Let's get up the charts so everybody else can talk about the lottery as well. If you really like what we're doing, go check us out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash 20cgmedia, 20cgmedia. That covers all the 20th Century Geek media podcasts, including 20th Century Geek and Stories Out of Time and Space. We've got three tiers on there, and you get a whole bunch of stuff. We've been going for exactly a year now, and so you've got a year's worth of podcasts of 30-minute thoughts, me giving my thoughts on different things. Uh, monthly, well, that one's monthly. Then quarterly, we've got quarterly creative review. And now we're starting to do the Twilight podcast as well, which is me and Julian. And Tony, you've just joined us for an episode as well. So, you know, tens of episodes on there as well. If you like what we're doing, more on there. It's it's reasonable price, I think. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you definitely help keep the lights on in 20th Century Towers. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we shall talk again soon. Sequart presents Judging Dread, 13 essays, analyzing 2000 AD's most beloved and reviled character, forward by Matt Smith, interview with Rob Williams, edited by Scott Weatherly. Find out who is the law.
book available to purchase from Sequart, Amazon.com.uk and all other great book sellers. Mm-hmm.